sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match us. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David hey, everybody. Welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. And this is Patrick Riccardi. And this week we're doing... Bob Mould versus Bob Mould. Yeah, Bob Mould. So, you know, with my uh, Husker Du fandom, it was bound to happen. I think we got everything out of the way now. So Pat will never have to listen to any of this again. Uh, we did Husker Du and Grant Hart, and now we're doing Bob Mould. And I, I, I like Bob Mould a lot. I don't, I'm not a huge Husker Du fan, but I like Bob Mould a lot. Yeah, and, and it's a 25th anniversary of uh, Workbook, his first solo album. Uh, so we're doing that. Um, he just released a two disc CD version, uh, and for the anniversary and, uh, his last album, which was what, 2012, uh, Silver Age. So, uh, did, so he went solo first and then he did Sugar? Yeah, he went solo, did two albums, then did Sugar and then went back solo. Why did he do Sugar? Um, I don't know. I think he wanted... He wanted to try a band again, and uh, I mean, he had a band that he played with, but you know, it was just—I mean, I don't know. I think he wanted more of like a band feel rather than him doing everything and then just having backup players. I gotcha. Although, but he got that's kind of what quick. Sugar was too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the bass player wrote some songs and sang some songs, but they were all B-sides except for one on the last album. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really actually know why he decided to do it. Um, I remember I was super stoked when I heard Sugar was coming out because uh, I was a Who's Du fan. His, his first two solo albums, Workbook included, um, wasn't really what I was looking for from him. And I heard this was going to be more of a, a pop rock band thing, Sugar. So I was excited. Um, I like Workbook a lot now, but it took me a while. Yeah, you didn't like it at the time because it was so different. Is that why, or I don't? Yeah, probably. I mean, it was yeah, it was a complete 180 from Husker Du, because um, it's all almost all like acoustic and uh, and folky kind of mm-hmm. and pretty. Yeah, and, and pretty. better. Let's yeah. be honest. Let's, well, yeah, let's be honest and say it's not better than Husker Du, and nothing he's done since Husker Du has been better than Husker Much Du. Much better, in my opinion. But uh, but whatever. I still, you know. I'm still a fan. Um, yeah, yeah. You know I, what they say about time, John? It wounds all heels. It keeps on slipping. Oh, slipping, slipping. Into the future? I guess. Where else would it go? Yeah, I don't know. Down the drain. Who knows? Down the cosmic drain. Hey, did you watch Cosmos? No, how was it? I don't know. I didn't watch it. I, uh, I DVR'd didn't... it. Well, I, I DVR'd it, but I haven't watched it yet. You're so excited about it. I'm surprised you didn't watch it. I I heard mostly good, but mixed things about it. Yeah, same. But you know, it was the first episode, so we'll I see. never watched the original, so I'm not real big into TV science or science in general. You're I'm more... okay with science in general, but TV science. If it's TV science, there needs to be more phasers. Well, I know, but there could be. This is Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, oh. there might they might have phasers and lightsabers in this version of of Cosmos. Who knows? I can't say. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I've heard mixed things, too. But, you know, I, what do you expect for popular science for a mass audience, you know? I, I think a lot of people are complaining that it's kind of dumbed down, but uh, that's kind of the point. 
Did you watch the original when you were a kid or as yeah, an I adult? Did. When, oh, as uh, a kid? Both. I, I mean, it kind of doesn't hold up so well as an adult, so I can see why they wanted to redo it. Because mm-hmm. obviously the the uh, visual effects were, I mean, it was KQED from the what the early 80s. Was it was it on when was it new? Because I remember I know the millions or billions and billions phrase, which I don't think is really from it. But I didn't never I don't never remember it being actually on. Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I said KQED, which is the local uh, PBS station. When I should have just said PBS. Uh, well, it probably came out of WGBH. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, dang, dude, why why is this so uh, hard to find? Cosmos, a space time odyssey. Now, oh, nineteen eighty. Yeah, it was nineteen eighty. It was and, only one for one year. Yeah, I think it was only. Huh. I don't even remember how many episodes it was. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was meant to just be a little mini series on science. I think. Um, let's see. I'm seeing. I don't know. Why are we talking about Cosmos? I thought that's what the episode was about. We're doing Carl Sagan's Cosmos versus Neil deGrasse Tyson's Cosmos. And I did decide not to watch either and just give my opinion based on what I heard from other people, from tweets. Well, there was uh, apparently an LP and cassette of Cosmos. Um, in 1981, a soundtrack LP was released by RCA Records. And it's just Carl Sagan humming. humming. It's Unfortunately, it's like the music they used in the oh. actual thing. Yeah. Isn't it a famous band? No, it's a bunch of old classical shit. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, Husker Du did not do the music for Cosmos. I said famous. Oh, sorry. I thought you said the greatest ever. Um, That's Styx. Styx, S-T-Y-X? No, S-T-I-C-K-S. Uh, very, very, uh... Esoteric, unpopular. man, for... But, yeah. Uh, yeah, workbook. In so, doing research for this, and I, this is this is another thing off topic, and I'm sorry for this, but I found out that there was a band named Green during the '80s, and they had a single called REM. A band named Green? Yes. I might have something by Green. Um, oh, oh, I don't have my uh, I don't have my hard drive with all my MP3s hooked up because I'm in the room, uh, so I can't check. But I think I do have something by Green. I think they were like a power pop kind of band. Oh well, doesn't matter. I just, I guess uh, it was in uh, response to the album. I, just, I found that pretty funny. Oh, the album Green, yeah. Uh, and how did that come up in your, in your research for Bob Mould? One of these songs reminded me of an REM song. Oh, so he started researching REM. Okay, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I yeah. just did. I just typed in REM to Wikipedia, and that's what popped. One of the first things that popped up. Well, after the telling me all about my dreams was um th- this this song I was like a song named rem that's not right i'm gonna fix wikipedia but it ended up being right well there's a song named grant hart by the posies and uh a song named bob mold hates me by a group named mold uh so yeah i guess that kind of thing happens well and also you know bob mold and michael stipe the two uh gay american Indie rock dudes from the 80s. So it turns out Michael Stipe is gay. I thought he was just everything. I think he kind of is, but uh, but I think he's he's leaned more heavily towards gay, like later mm-hmm. in his life, like like Bob Mould did. Yeah, well, I think he always did. He just didn't admit it. Oh, I see. He ne- if you listen to any of his old stuff, uh, he never there was never any gender specific mm-hmm. uh, titles or anything, you know. Uh, 
But yeah, workbook. So what did you think of workbook? I liked it a lot. I, I've heard some songs from it already, and I already liked them. And on the whole, every 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 song is good. Yeah, I think so too. It's uh, it's very uh, pastoral kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's like one rock song at the at the very end, but uh, but yeah, for the most part, it's not really what I expected at the time. But it, it did have uh, it does have one of his catchiest uh, solo songs on it. So we'll, I mean, we'll get to that. And I think the one you're talking about is his best song. I I love that song. Oh yeah, I love it too. Um, and the lyrics, I don't know if you paid any attention to the lyrics, but the lyrics kind of don't really tell you anything about anything. Um, they what in, any of the songs are? Uh, are you talking about on, ones? on the the first album, Workbook? I mean, uh, See a Little Light, which is the song we're talking about, is is kind of straightforward, and and I guess uh. That song "Poison Years" is about who's gonna do breaking up, but uh, a lot of it's just very weird, mm-hmm. weird lyrics that uh, you don't really know what the hell he's talking about. Um, and "Wishing Well" he has has the interesting thing that he he takes the name of the song and puts it and uses it in different ways. All right, I guess this is one way. Surrounds and wells up in my eyes after he he's talking about wishing well. Yeah, yeah, and, and well, and that's one of the songs where the lyrics could could be about kind of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and most of them are like that on here. I guess he recorded this um, when he was like living at some upstate in some at some farm or something, and uh, so there's like lots of references to livestock and chickens and stuff <laughs> on the album. Uh, it's not the basic themes of uh, rock music generally, but but yeah, this is definitely more uh, Richard Thompson again. I brought him up before. It's kind of like in that vein, more folk rock. So he's basically one of those guys where you ask him a question and he just talks about whatever he's looking at. Yeah, he's like Kaiser Soze. <laughs> yeah. That's, this is the, his Kaiser Soze album for sure. So nobody wants to listen to the album he wrote when he was living in a slaughterhouse. No, well, I'm sure just some... Just up in Sinclair. Yeah, and some industrial fans, music fans. But uh, uh, no, no, yeah. Th- we this... call those people the insane. Um, and, uh, and some of my best friends. Actually, I don't think anybody actually listens to industrial music anymore. People listening probably are going, what the hell is industrial music? Um, yeah, so Wishing Well, I guess we should, we'll talk about that. That's the first song we picked. Um, and you already brought it up a little. So it's, it's more like, more rock, I guess, than a lot of the album. Mm -hmm. It's got some electric guitar on it and. And a backbeat, but like I said, and that well, fake clapping. Yeah, the the uh, electronic hand claps, which is very eighties. Um, is it? I don't think I've ever noticed it before. It was, well, it's used very weirdly in this on this song, um, not in the usual way that you'd think of it, uh, like on say a Huey Lewis song or something. <laughs> Huey Lewis would never. He had real clappers. Well, he could afford real clappers. That's the thing. Uh, not not actually humans, but droids. Yeah, no, he had an army of them. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen him live, yeah, yeah. Does he live in Oakland? I don't think so. I think he's Marin. That's uh-huh. that's usually where most of the uh, alleged San Francisco people actually live. Uh, once they make it big, they still say they're San Francisco, but they're actually Marin. Except those Google people who who work outside of the city but live in San Francisco and then take buses that ruin everyone's lives. Yeah. It, 
reports I'm reading are correct. Which which is weird to me because I mean I don't know I I guess they want they're young and they want to live in the city where shit's happening, but uh, I'd rather at my age I'd rather live as close to work as possible. It's not like the shit on the peninsula is that bad. Um, I mean I wouldn't live there, but I like I said I like being in the city. I guess that's what what their deal is. These Google workers, we got a Google bus in our neighborhood. I think. Have you thrown any rocks at it? No, I've never seen it. I I, I, I I know this is another tangent, but I can't understand why Google's a huge company that most of the time it seems like they try to do good. Why can't they invest in public transportation? Why can't they invest in a light rail that goes from San Francisco to where they are? Something that everybody can use instead of clogging up the roads with these private buses that everyone likes to throw rocks at. Yeah, on the other hand, uh, they I mean, the buses do help in uh alleviating you know carbon emissions and stuff so maybe that's true it's they're not all bad but yeah i mean i i think it's just kind of resentment at the at the amount of money and the fact that the they're using the i mean what's it yeah muni? muni using their bus stops not really paying i guess there's a law that they can't pay more than the, they should change the law so google's actually enriching the city yeah no that i think that's what a lot of people are pissed about um, supposedly, I think it's also, you know, the jealousy or kind of just... jealousy and, and just kind of resentment at the flagrant display of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which... Is there a way to get there with public transportation or is this really the only option or this or driving? Um, yeah, the, they'd have to drive. I think, uh, okay. I can't remember quite where Google is, but I don't think Bart goes that far. I mean, they could take, they could take the, uh, the train, you know, an actual train, but who wants to do that? You know, okay. or they could take BART and then take... You mean like Amtrak train, that kind of train? Yeah, yeah. Um, or they could take BART partway and then, you know, rail the rest of the way. I don't know, man. It, it is it is easier than... It's better than them driving, I guess, overall for the environment. So um, I can't get too pissed at it, but... And God knows I would fucking take advantage of it if I worked for a company like that. So yeah, I think a lot of it is kind of a kind of jealousy, but it, but there's also I mean a lot of talk about uh, what's happening to San Francisco in particular, and uh, and the gentrification and the tech people all moving in, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of, that's kind been of ruining happening. the the feel of it. That's been happening for thirty years. It has, but it it kind of ebbed for a while after the dot com bubble burst, and it you uh, know, it's starting to yeah. Oh yeah, now now it's I don't know. $3,600 for a studio apartment or whatever, you know, it's fucking ridiculous. But the thing is, I, I understand. I, I, as I said, I, I think there might be better ways for those, for Google to do it. But when they say it's their fault, the uh, rent rents are going high. It's really not. San Francisco is kind of a, a city that can't grow that much. So rents are going to rise, whatever happens. And it's people true. Like to live there. Yeah. I mean, San Francisco is, it has to grow vertically. That's just the way. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, they are building a lot of new condos and stuff, but there's there's also you know they're like trying to build some along the along the bay and and block people's views and stuff. Yeah, that's so bullshit. Yeah, that's that's kind of shitty. Um, so, and build, building condos really only helps the people who are rich already. So well, exactly, exactly. And I mean, it's a weird issue gentrification because you know in some ways you do want like especially in Oakland, which is which is much worse off than San Francisco, although. Uh, you know, if you want to live somewhere decent here, it's getting to be just as expensive. I think we passed L.A. already, and 
housing costs. Um, but it, it does do some good for the neighborhoods. You know what I mean? Like when you mm-hmm. you start injecting money into it and getting getting these shops, and a lot of people talk about you're losing the feel and, and all the old places. Well, in, in a lot of cases, the old places were kind of shitty and scary. So, I, I mean, depending on where it is, uh, that's not the issue. But there is a real issue of where do the poor go? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So, I don't know. That's It's too much to get into. Uh, although, this song, Wishing Well, um, is probably just as difficult to get into on a lyrical level <laughs> as any of that. Um, it's a it's a very uh for listening to it not nothing about the lyrics specifically but it's just it's sad and lonely yeah well itself that's kind of ball mold in a nutshell right some songs this one especially it just has a really kind of lonely feeling to it there's there's some songs you have that have lonely lyrics and a lonely feel but there's something like a, a fast fastness to it or something about it that makes it less yeah more less hopeful. melancholy but this one is this stark it's it's beautiful but but stark yeah and it's got the cello in there which is a nice touch again i always have that argument with you and you're usually right i thought it was violins yeah but no, yeah you're probably it's, cello it's cello um, he just did a he just did a james scarpantoni did the cello uh he just did a tour uh a 25th anniversary tour very short i think he only played like four shows or something um, but he had, yeah, he had a cello player. But weirdly, he, it was like him and a bass player and a cello player, no drums. <laughs> so did he use electric a, a drum machine? No, no, no oh, percussion okay. at all. Did uh, you did it hit your area or no? Yeah, he started here. Did um, you go? I did not end up going. I am shocked. I know I'd meant to, and it sold out, and uh, and then I kind of used my my Facebook friendship with his drummer to try to see what I could do. And then he, I mean, he's a real nice guy. He, he wrote me back and he was, he was like, Oh, sorry, dude, I'm not actually on this tour. Oh, <laughs> uh, but he gave me the bass players, uh, contact info. And, uh, I, you know, I talked to him and, and he was like, Oh, I don't know, dude. I, I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't know him at all. So yeah, I wasn't yeah. going to be like, can you put me on the guest list? I was just like, do you know if they'll be selling tickets, you know, at the, at oh, the venue? Right. just kind of hinting. Can you put me on the guest list? <laughs> not even that. I wouldn't, um, but uh, but he was like, oh, sorry, man, I don't know anything about it. That's kind of neat, though. That, that, yeah, he knows all about it. Yeah, he has a little spreadsheet in front of him when, when st- tickets are going on sale, how to get free tickets. But uh, it's that's pretty neat that you're close enough to the drummer that he he responds to you. That's awesome. Yeah, well, he's I mean, he's just a nice guy too. I think you uh-huh. know, he I think he would have responded to anybody if he was, you know, Facebook fake Facebook friends with him. Yeah, I guess. But so. still. Yeah, no, it was cool. Um, but anyway, yeah, this song is stark, and uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. Like loneliness, I guess that's kind of basically what it's about. It's evocative without be, but it's not uh, definitely not concrete. Right, right, yeah. But yeah, uh, there's nothing. I can't bring up a lyric and say, "Well, exactly." Can you hear it? Can you hear it? You have to hear the song to really hear what I'm talking about. Yeah, and it's when he plays uh, when he plays his solo acoustic shows. This is the song he always opens with. Um, and it works well acoustic to solo without a band but uh, let's just play it Uh, here's, here's Wishing Well everybody
And the next song is uh, the the most obvious song to pick. It was the single uh, "See a Little Light." If you've heard a Bob Mould song, well, other he wrote this theme song for the Daily Show, so you, I'm sure you've heard that. But uh, but other than that, if you've heard a song, this is probably it from his solo. Wait, I thought that they might be giants. Did they perform it? They perform it. It okay. started out uh, with his performance, and they changed it to their performance. But yeah, he wrote it. Which is better? Uh, they're very similar. I mean, it's it's almost. I guess they have kind of like that keyboard horn sound in the, in the they might be giants version that I don't think was on the original. What an odd odd thing to do to have to have, to redo the song with they might be giants and have it so similar. Why bother? I yeah, did, well, no, did, it's almost exactly the same. I think John I mean, Stewart owed them a favor. Who knows? I'm. They might have even changed it at the time uh, John Stewart took over for Craig Kilborn. Mm-hmm. And just you know, gone. Although it's, I yeah, I can't. I've been listening to the John Stewart version so long, or the They Might Be Giants version so long. Who knows? Uh, maybe it does sound totally different, but I don't think so because I don't remember being being like shocked when it mm-hmm. changed versions. So it's good to hear that this is his most uh, famous song because it it definitely is my favorite. And uh, I'm not an expert on Bob Mould, but I really like this song. Yeah, well, I I know I've heard they they've like used it on PBS for like some kind of commercial at least here, um, and yeah, yeah, I think it might have been in like they might have used it on a soundtrack here or there, but yeah, it's just I mean once again it's it sounds mostly hopeful although it's not all the way you know like if if you want me to go you should just say so, uh, but they're they're really uh, uh, approachable lyrics. I think if you're over the age of fifteen, you can appreciate them. Yeah, these ones are not are not in any way dense or uh, or what the fuck is he talking about lyrics. It's pretty, yeah, it's yeah. pretty understandable. Um, but but there's always that that uh, undercurrent of melancholy, I guess, mm-hmm. to his stuff. Um, and it's it's here, but not nearly as much as on a lot of the songs on the album. And there is. Kind of, I mean, this one's at least joyous sounding. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, the sound of the song takes any melancholy the lyrics might have. The sound of the song is so beautiful, you don't care. It's just like you're smiling. Yeah, and it's one of those, I mean, it's so catchy, partly because he repeats the chorus about 12 times throughout the song. Um, I'm fine with that. Yeah, no, me too. No, that's cool. And it, it's it, there's there's a lot of layers to the music, too. It's not It's not quite as simple as other songs on this album i don't think i think there's more it, se- it seems like there's more sounds going on yeah it se- i think there might be like a little bit of mandolin buried in there <laughs> um and and some kind of weird keyboards or or like glockenspiel or something i don't even know um yeah i think it is. if if an artist declares a, an album to be a solo album he should he or she should be doing playing all the instruments like a one-man band well, he did that on one album, and, and I would not recommend recommend it for Bob because uh, he's not a drummer. Well, that's being kind. What's the the album that we saw with with uh, guest of the show David, uh, where he uh, was all electronic? Oh yeah, what? that was uh, that was modulate. That was uh, modulate. Yeah, that was good. I like that. I, I you didn't like it, or you did? Most people didn't like it because it was most Bob fans. It was another departure because it was all electronic or mostly electronic music yeah i i don't mind it. i don't actually listen to it much but i i like it and then we saw him but then we when we saw him again with david uh with a full band it was much better than him playing to backing tracks yeah seeing it i didn't necessarily like seeing that live yeah i mean 
I, I like the album, but he could have he could have toured it with a band. Yeah, I but agree. That's what he wanted to do. But uh, yeah, see a little light. That's that's uh, the obvious the obvious pick from the album. I think I almost didn't pick it just to be perverse, but uh, but yeah, it's it's my favorite of his solo songs as well. Um, and and that was the one that that's why I uh, that's where I first heard that he even had an album out. It was much harder in those days to know uh, when a when somebody's coming out with an album. Um, I think I heard see a little light somewhere radio mtv i was mm-hmm. like oh bob mold's got an album out um and so that got me and i expected it to be i was like oh you know it was a, a departure but it was still i mean it still kind of had the who's do pop type quality to it even though it wasn't uh distorted guitars and stuff uh but but then the rest of the album's not like this but let's play it anyway for everybody uh this is the one this is the the song to download from the album if you if that's how you get your shit. Here is see a little light. one is is completely over the edge with uh the lyrics being like whatever dude i don't know, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're trying to get at with this one. Oh, he's going to trenton wherever that the farm must have been in jersey so yeah i know i guess i guess it was uh yeah brasilia crossed with trenton this is the one that reminds me of an rem song the opening the opening of the song reminds me of half a world away i think it's yeah called some- it, it, there, this it's is a very same, similar sound. Same rhythm to it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, 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 do. Yep, yep. No, I can see that, um, and I like it. I like the. I mean, I like Half a World Away, a lot too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I like both songs. It just it took me a while to figure out which REM song it was, because I, I I could hear Michael Stipe's voice, but I couldn't I couldn't couldn't place out the, the lyrics. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. But uh, Bob beat him to it. Yeah, was, yeah, five years later. So, 
Uh, yeah, who knows, man? I mean, there's a lot of talk about, I guess, living in a small town, kind of. No buildings over three stories high or whatever, but I don't know what... I don't know if he's talking about being in Brasilia or Trenton or somewhere that... Completely separate that is like Brasilia crossed with Trenton. <laughs> and... I, I I didn't try to I didn't try to figure them out. Yeah, you know they don't take the I did like they don't take these things down at the bank. They just take money. Yeah, some kind of financial worries maybe <laughs> going on there. I think he's talking about Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, he, he was ahead of his time. He could have been talking about Bitcoin. Uh, the, there was a Husker Du song in '85, "Divide and Conquer," uh, where he said. We'll invent some new computers, link up the Global Village, get AP, UPI, and Reuters, and tell everybody news. Uh, wow. Which is pretty cool for 85. Yeah. So you're, you're very right. This could be uh, about Bitcoin. Um, yeah, what is it? Department store is the only place that I buy clothes anymore. Um, I used to be a big shopper around the world. Big credit cards, they don't matter anymore. Because I can't pay any money that I owe to these cards anymore. They don't take these things down to the bank. They just take money. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows what that means, really? Honestly. He is um, a, he's a time traveler in his lyrics. I think so, yeah. So I guess you've actually sussed it out. He's uh, he's talking about Bitcoin. And you could even maybe... Look, there's a BCT. No, there's, no, there's a T in Bitcoin, but it's before the C. Damn it. <laughs> well... Maybe he thought it was going to be called Bitcoin. You know, he messed up. He he fucked up when he was time traveling, and uh, and so the uh, the first letter of each thing spells out that by accident. But we know what you really meant, Bob. Thanks for the information. I will invest it with the Winklevoss twins. Yes, yes, and the Koch brothers. Wait, who are the Winklevoss twins? Those are the the guys that had the feud with Zuckerberg over Facebook. That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> I didn't see that movie, so it's real yeah. life too. Well, no, no, I know they're real. I mean, I, I do know they're real. I, well, as... but you're, you're. I don't. I did see. The, I did see and like the movie, and I can't think of. I have no idea what they look like. So they just look like that uh, Arm and Hammer guy. Just I forget his real name. Oh yeah, the dude who makes uh, baking soda. They yeah. Well, all all movie characters are based on real people anyway. No matter what the movie. Um, I think we all know that. So, I, I don't really have a lot I can say about this song, do you? No, that, Other the R.E.M. thing was my, my big takeaway. Yeah, so let's go ahead and just play it. Here's Brasilia Cross with Trent.
And I think that's I think that's all we'll do for workbook. You get you get the idea from those three songs. The rest of it's more of the same. Um, definitely not uh, not Husker Du. But th- that's good, and and over the years it's grown to be my favorite of his albums. So of his solo albums. That's it's, uh, so. None of the other later solo albums jumped ahead of this. Nope, no. I think still this one's my favorite. Yeah. Um, I mean, not counting Sugar, I really like Copper Blue a lot. Um, it's been a long time since I listened to Sugar. I really liked Sugar when when they were big. It was that was fun to listen to, and I I didn't have the backstory with them. I I just knew Sugar, and then I learned about other Bob Mould. But I like Sugar. Yeah, me too. I saw yeah I saw them on their first tour, having never had seen, gotten the chance to see Who's Do, So I was I was excited, um, and it was really good and really loud i think my ears rang for like five days after that show uh but yeah well was sugar a sub pop artist no they were uh or what damn who are they on Ryko. Ryko, okay yeah it like, seemed like all the big acts in in that that time period like not all of them obviously since they weren't but a lot of them were on, on sub pop yeah well they would start on sub pop and then go to a, a bigger label Oh, okay. That's how uh, it works. That's, yeah, like that's how it was with Nirvana and stuff. And I think, because Nevermind came out in 91. So this was right after that. Um, and and so that I think that's why Sugar did so well, too, because that sound had come into vogue mm-hmm. a bit. Um, and I think that's why they chose Ryko, because Ryko at the time, I feel like, was kind of a, like a mid-level label you know not not super huge but um, i think they had mostly done reissues like they yeah that's 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 all i know Ryko for is all their best of and that kind of thing well rhino you might be confusing them with oh, okay. who was also a reissue label but i, I know Ryko did like uh they did david bowie they reissued a bunch of his shit mm-hmm. and stuff um yeah who the hell knows man um oh we've covered what? workbook do you want to take a quick break Sure. Okay, let's do it. We had a comrade, a brave comrade. He could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero. Tried talking about Shamiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's greyhound racing, steeplechasing, the Reformation. Transubstantiation, Brian Stoker's creation, the land of the Thracians. And right back to the start, it's gonna take some time and patience. All right, so Silver Age, which was his 2012 album. I guess I could have waited a couple months, and he's got a new one coming out. Um, what's what's the what's the word on that? What's it going to be like? I have oh, I have no idea, dude. I just got the excuse me the uh, you know the email saying new album out in June or whenever the hell it's coming out. I'm sure it'll be much similar to everything else he's done. Do you, do Bob Mould fan, like hardcore Bob Mould fans have names for each other like Moldites or Bobbers? I don't think so. Uh, at least not that I know of. Um, I've never. Well, you would know. Yeah, yeah. I guess I would. Moldies. 
Yeah, who knows? Um, shit, I was trying to think of something clever, and of course that didn't work out. But uh, old Davians. Well, it's not clever. Let's move on. All right. So Silver Age. Uh, he he recorded with uh, the bass player and drummer I was talking about earlier, uh, Jason Narducci and and John Worcester. And John Worcester is a drummer. He always also plays for uh, Super Chunk and the Mountain Goats and. Oh, that's neat. A bunch of other people. Um, and so, he's a, a close personal friend of yours. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that, uh, depending on your definition of close and personal and friend. So the, the mountain goats are kind of, it seemed like they were real small. Did they ever get big? I think they're pretty, they're much bigger now. I saw them actually. Are they? Them. I saw, well, it was just a, one dude when I saw him. He opened for Bob Mole in 2000 at, at Noise Pop out here. Um and it was just had, him on acoustic guitar. I had a bunch of Mountain Goat stuff that sounded like it was recorded in, in like somebody's basement. It was great. It was a lot of fun, but it was just just a little off. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think his earlier stuff definitely was like that. Um, I think I think he's up the production a bit lately, like his past few hour ser- albums. Search out like his most recent recent stuff to see how it sounds. Yeah. It's, I might not like it as much because part of it, part of the charm was how off it was. The it was lo-fi, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, this one's not lo-fi. This one, uh, no, not at all. You're doing very good bringing us back on topic. <laughs> this with, one, with with very clever segues. Yeah, that was that was quite clever. I know. I'm gonna have to remember that one. This one is well. I think actually, I'm sure he produced it himself. He usually does, but I kind of wish that uh, he wouldn't produce his own stuff so much because yeah he did uh i feel like he he's really into like the treble stuff a a lot like it's very it's always very guitar heavy which i guess kind of makes sense because he's a guitarist but uh but the way it's mixed is always just a little off to my ears um even the sugar stuff you know it's all a lot of high-end stuff in the sound uh but anyway, I mean it's still it's still good. So this is more this is more in line with most of his solo career, I guess, uh, the sound on this album. And I wish I knew. I mean, I wish I played guitar or something, so I I had better ways to describe it, you know, or or to know what he does. But you know, a lot of like kind of ringing electric guitar sound, uh, open G chord. I've heard people say that. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I found the song to be, the song lyrics to be pretty depressing. But, oh yeah, pretty depressing. But the, the sound is so f- fast and happy that it, it, it doesn't matter. It, the, and the, and I like the fact that the lyrics are so descriptive, even though it's it's a little bit sad that they're so descriptive that it, it kind of makes you feel good because it makes you it gives you something solid to hold on to. And the song is, I think this song has our our favorite word to it. We could use it to describe it. It's driving. It is driving, this album. Um, I mean, it, it slows down at some points, but it's never, you know, it doesn't slow down that much. The well, first time, Joy is pretty slow, but this the descent is definitely driving. Yeah, and I I think about the his uh, depressing lyrics. At this point, I almost feel like it's, like, I wonder if he really means it anymore, or if it's just, like, he thinks it's expected, or, like, that's the only thing he knows how to write about because I can't imagine he's still as depressed as he was when he was 20. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, 
just depressed in different ways. Yeah, that might be because he might be depressed about his uh, he's past his prime, so he's depressed about that now. He just find, finds new ways to be depressed. I do want to know what song he doesn't play anymore because it gave people too much hope. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's one of the lyrics in this in this song. Yeah, I I want to know too because uh, I I'm like racking my brain trying to think of a Bob Mould song that gave people a lot of hope. Um, and and the ones that I can think of, he does still play. So uh, you're a liar, Bob. Yeah, you're you're just flat out ball faced lying on this song. Um, no, I this is a this is a good song. We we didn't well we mentioned off air his voice. He does have a very distinctive, peculiar voice. Um, that's not like anybody else's voice, really. That I I mean I don't know who to compare him to. No, it's 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 his own thing, and it's. When he's not screaming, I like it a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I think you could tell on on workbook and and even on the last, uh, the last, at least the very last Husker Du album, maybe a couple before that, he he learned to he was learning to actually sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not as noticeable here as on workbook because that one, uh, you could pay attention more to the voice because because of the instrumentation here everything's loud. So right, you know. yeah. But uh, but it makes his all his all, all, all we're talking about this all off air a little bit. To, his songs sound to me very distinctive. Like you can't you can tell them apart, but they're very similar because his voice is so so is, is so much his own. Yeah, and well, and his I mean I think his sound is very distinctive just That's overall to, anyway. Yeah. You know, like it, yeah, it's you could definitely tell it's a Bob Mould song. Um, you know, there are some songs you might. Like, if you just heard the music, you might think, oh, that's, you know, I don't know, whoever, the Foo Fighters or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they were obviously influenced by him. So so you can, he has a sound and, and his voice, yeah, his voice adds to that overall effect of, of songs sounding alike. Although, I mean, I, I can tell, I can tell them apart. I know, but I know what you're saying. No, There's, I, 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 if I can't tell them apart, it's because I haven't heard them a lot, enough. Yeah, but I'm not saying that they. St- I'm not complaining and say all oh, his songs sound exactly the same. He sucks. I'm just saying. No, right. Well, well, I mean, you could because you can say. I think a lot of people who are very distinctive have that problem. Like you can, mm-hmm. you can tell a Beach Boys song within two bars. You know what I mean? Or the B52s. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he definitely has a his own Bob Mould sound, and he's not. I mean, it's too late for him to break away from it. I. I think uh, this stuff's definitely more palatable than than Husker Du, obviously, even though it comes from the same place. But in a way, I feel like I, I kind of wish, like every once in a while, he would kind of rage a little bit more, like he did back then. But I guess I, I mean it's probably just too hard. It's not it's not as much in you when you're 50. Yeah, that's not, like you're talking about. He's not depressed. Well, he might still be depressed, but he probably doesn't have quite as much rage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing I was thinking, have have do you have any uh, covers that are done by other people of Bob Mould songs that are favorites? Have many people done any good ones? Not a lot. Like they they did yeah. a a Husker Du a couple of Husker Du tribute albums, but a lot of that was like hardcore stuff, you know. And I'm like, it, so it, it's kind of terrible. Um, I heard uh, what's his name, Ryan Adams. He did a a little EP for Record Store Day. A couple or a single a couple of years ago that was a couple Bob Mould covers, um, one of them from Workbook, and I, and I can't remember what the other song was, but uh, 
Yeah, no, not a lot of not a lot of covers of his stuff. He did do he put out a a, a video that I think he he did a Kickstarter for because he played it uh, in L.A. They did like a kind of tribute show to him with him in attendance <laughs> with like. <laughs> Uh, so I mean, he played I think on all this on most of the songs with people, but uh, it was like Ryan Adams and Dave Grohl and you know people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that video. Um, I think it's called "See a Little Light." Actually, uh, actually, uh, again, I'm surprised you haven't watched the video. You're such a, a super fan. I think it's I think it's a thing like it's download only, and I just haven't done it. Yet. Oh, okay. It, it just cracked me up when you said tribute to him. I just imagine he's in the audience saying, I'm not dead. What are you people <laughs> yeah. doing? Yeah, no, he was, he and his, this band that he plays with on this album, which I, I feel like is his, has been his band for a while now. So, um, so which is good. I, I think it's always, I think it's always good when, for certain people, when they work within the constraints of a, a band dynamic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They get comfortable with each other and, no one to hold back and that kind of thing you mean or yeah no exactly and and you know when you have somebody who can tell you oh that's uh that's not working i think that's good you know somebody you you've worked with a lot so you respect their opinion rather than just letting your own ego uh run the show you know what mm-hmm. I mean? which, yeah which i would imagine bob would have the tendency to do and i, th- I think he's kind of a he seems like a, a perfectionist and control freak a bit to me um but yeah, I mean, I think it's you know it's the same it's the same thing with uh, Lennon and McCartney. You know, they they definitely needed each other. I think some people need those constraints, and uh, so I'm glad he's working with a, a steady band that that he uh, that can give him input into stuff. But anyway, well this this song is is just a basic uh, rock song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's uh the the music is is hopeful and and the words aren't. Which, as we've talked about before, is is one of our our favorite modes, although our favorite uh, forms of song. But but this is like not not Niccolo or Elvis Costello. It's not uh, quite as subtle as as that kind of thing. <laughs> I thought I thought it it definitely had the bobbled sound, but I thought it also sounded very nineties ish. Yeah, I especially can... compared to other songs on this same album, it was it's very of. It, sounded very like it would fit in in that time period yeah i think i think you're right um i know exactly what you mean i I agree well let's let let people listen here's uh the descent Turn my back and turn away Here's the world that made me choke 
and uh, it's, there's not going to be too much variation uh, in these in these other songs we do. But oh, wait, had you heard this album before I gave it to you, Pat? Had I? I didn't know if I'd shared it with you before. No, I'd never heard it before. Oh, okay. So did did you enjoy this one? Yeah, I thought they were both great. All right. Well, that's cool. This I I do want to say I think his lyrics are a little bit too too personal. Um, where where like he's obviously singing about something that means stuff to him, but I don't always quite get the point he's trying to make, or I don't get the references. You know, I mean it's mm-hmm. it's like too just strictly personal like something that relates only to bob mold and only he's gonna know what it means um See, I, I don't i didn't mind that in this song i did like he had that one part that was like uh i know this ride you must be there by my side you going down i must be descending like whoever this person he's singing to it's whenever he goes down he goes down with them it's just i don't know it's it's i, I liked it yeah I not mind. this not this song specifically i just okay. mean i'm just in making general a general critique yeah. of his his lyrics uh on his solo stuff um, yeah, this song is probably the most uh, wide open and, and easiest to understand. Uh, the The Descent was the one we just mm-hmm. listened to. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Keep Believing in the same vein, another kind of kind of catchy, fast song, um, which is called Keep Believing, which sounds you know hopeful, but again, there's always it's it's not completely. Although I had read that, uh, and I could be it could have just been bullshit. I read that for this song, he like used lines or referenced like a ton of other older songs in the lines. I can see it. Uh, I didn't know it was on purpose. I could see a couple. That's yeah. Neat. Yeah. I, I think he, he did like a Reddit Q and a, and then he like mentioned a ton of the songs that he referenced in this. So yeah, that's kind of cool. And, uh, I think he played this on Conan, which was, which was cool to see, uh, when this so, album came out. 2012 Conan was he Tonight Show or is he? Uh, no, it was still oh. it was TBS. Even oh, then. it was after. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is I mean, this is just more in the same mold. No pun intended. Uh, not, I I don't know what I can say about it. Other why than, didn't you intend a pun there? Because that would have been a perfect place for I one. Know, mold I, sounds a lot like mold. I always do that, and and M O U L D is how they spell it in Merry Old England. I don't think it's that merry there. Not with all that mold. Of course not. It's spelled so oddly. Uh, and in different colors. Yeah, colors. all those extraneous U's. Man, not you, next time you guys uh, invent a language, you should really think more of brevity. This isn't German we're trying to go for. You know, if nowadays, if people invented languages, we'd have to pay them to speak it. So here is... Keep believing. Stop. 
And uh, last song I picked... It was a, a pretty big departure from the other two songs. A lot slower. That's why I picked it. I feel like most of the album was all in one vein, basically. Mm-hmm. And this is very pretty, too. Yeah, I like this one. It's got kind of, even in the beginning, like maybe a Joy Division or early New Order-ish feel. And then it, it uh, you know, it's, then it ramps up the electric guitar. Um, but but it's still kind of in a slower Mm-hmm. Yeah, a slower yeah. tempo, and actually, I'll probably throw this one on at the end because I don't know what the hell else I would put on at the end of this episode. So, um, first time joy is the last song on the album. It'll be the song at the end of this podcast, and you can hear what we're talking about there. But I, I like this one. I don't think it's, uh, it's not the one most people would have picked uh, if if they're listing their favorites on this album. But, uh, but I like it for some reason. I think maybe just because it is slowed down more mm-hmm. yeah it's just it, it's a nice choice for our last song too yeah it's got that it's got that more melancholy intro and uh and yeah more dynamics i guess than the rest of the album which is which is all kind of at the same at the same pace and uh and intensity mm-hmm. but it's yeah i do like it when you can when you can have that kind of intensity slowed down it's a more difficult trick to pull than than blazing out of the barn, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to be intense when you're going real fast and you're screaming. But right, right. So that was uh. Take that, Al Pacino. No shit, for real. Take that, Al Pacino. He's another one though, you know, like De Niro. Like I said, I did the two. The well, he did the two good Godfather movies and and what Dog Day Afternoon. What what other he was in some other great movies in the seventies, mostly. Um, uh, what was Dog Day Afternoon? Is is so great because he's uh, so understated. He doesn't have that hollering going on. There's a couple other good ones. Oh, he did the. Wasn't he in Serpico? Yeah, Serpico. Um, maybe the start of of the screaming, but he he still kept it in check, and it yeah, fit, and it, it worked. fit the character. Scarface, um, I don't know so much about. Scar- Scarface is terrible. I don't. And but the 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 I guess it was ten years ago where his last really good movie that I remember was I think it was about ten years ago, The Insider. He was really good in that. I saw that. That was the smoking one, right? Yeah, with Russell Crowe. Right, but but by then he was you know he was just Al Pacino. It's like watching Jack Nicholson in anything. Yeah, but that's know? the he, thing. That's what was so great. It was it was like Jack Nicholson about Schmidt because you're expecting him to be. Al right, Pacino, but he never he never started hollering. He had a really understated, great performance in that movie, and I think that was his his la- so far his last great performance. That's true. I, I know he won the award for that goofy blind person movie, but he probably would have deserved it more for this movie if he hadn't already won it. Yeah, Scent of a Woman. Scent of yeah, unfortunately titled movie. The uh, yeah, well, I mean, if you watch The Godfather too, it's there's no screaming. It's completely yeah. subtle. Yeah, acting back then, so. Who knows? Who knows why that happens? I mean, I'm sure it's fun to do. <laughs> but, but he doesn't do anything anymore. Like De Niro, you see in all those crap movies, but Pacino's not in anything anymore. I wonder what he's up to. Yeah, I remember he did Maybe that. Maybe the stage. That, yeah, I remember he did that. Remember that Shakespeare? Finding Richard? Yeah, yeah, Finding Richard, um, which I did not see. I saw it. I, I don't know a lot about Shakespeare, so I think most of it... I. I went over my head but it was good enough well i i think 
this is all you need to know about Shakespeare. He didn't actually write the plays. It was uh, Agatha Christie. I think oh, that's I, been settled by scholars. I thought it was a pig. See, I don't. I'm really confused about stuff like that because I always hear. Yeah, because they said Bacon wrote it, so I'm like, oh, a pig. That's neat. No, you're, you're, I think you're thinking of Charlotte's Web. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I I, I made that mistake early on too. But then when, when you see the things that Bacon painted, you're like, wow, maybe pigs are as smart as humans. I, I, I thought that was a definite. Well, I mean, they, they haven't quite figured out that we like to eat them so much yet. So they've got a little way to go in their, in their cognitive development. But So do you agree with the theory that that, that planet went missing was taken up by aliens to test to see if humans would be good food? Well, of course I agree with that theory. Um but I think there's probably more to it as well. Um, I, I'm, I mean, I'm imagining that the smoke monster is involved somehow. Well, perhaps they use the smoke monster to, to calm the people Lord, on the plane. Yeah. Because most people, when they see a smoke monster, instantly fall asleep out of a of, of feeling of love and feeling cared for. Yeah, it's, 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 like, a, uh, it's like in the collective unconsciousness, the, the smoke monster. Uh, it, you know, it, it exemplifies... Uh, uh, peacefulness and and Zen detachment. Because it's it's soft like your babu. I mean, I didn't. I'm glad you said it because I I couldn't put it into words. But but you're you're exactly right. Yeah, I don't know. That's a freak. That's some freaky ass shit. That that Malaysian plane, dude. Yeah. But they're I, saying I, it was hijacked. But they don't know where it went. Now, definitively, they're saying it was hijacked. How they know this, I don't know. Yeah, because I was talking to Viv about it. Like, usually when somebody hijacks a plane, if they landed it, they start making demands, right? But, right, yeah. I mean, maybe they're just very humble hijackers. They just, they just want to see if they could do it like uh, D.B. Cooper. <laughs> yeah, but now they don't know where to land. Oh, they've landed by now. They didn't have that much fuel. Well, um, maybe they brought someone with them in those little red cans. Oh, that's true. Uh, damn, I forget the name. Sterno cans. Is that right? I don't know. I don't camp, as you know. Yeah, well, they're saying that uh, because it was picked up on, like, military radar or something, you know, um, after after the airport had lost uh, contact with them, and they're thinking they could have gone either into Pakistan, Afghanistan, or somewhere around there, or uh, into the, I can't remember, South, South China Sea or something. That's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, when I think of military radar, I just think of a, a regular radar machine with that little thing that goes in a circle but it's all covered in that camouflage so you can't really see anything so it's not actually more helpful it's less helpful when i think of military radar i think of uh the the clerk on nash ah, radar o'reilly yeah but it's probably oh wait did you were probably you somewhere about between him? those two the actual military radar what's that were you talking about him or clinger no i was talking about radar okay. uh yeah yeah although clinger works too he works it. See, if if that if Mash was set in in present day, Klinger would, wouldn't wash because, you know, thanks to Bill Clinton, don't ask, don't tell, no problem with any of that cross dressing anymore. Klinger never claimed to be gay. Let's make that real straight right now. He just claimed to like to wear women's clothes because he was insane. That's not offensive in any way whatsoever. No, no, exactly. So yeah, I, maybe he still would work today. Uh, I, I never liked that show, I have to say. I'm one of the few people I know. Um, I mean, lots of people who 
I, I don't I don't judge people for liking it because um, because most of the people who did like it seem to be very smart um, and a lot of my my friends do but I never liked that show I just I didn't it seemed very preachy to me I think the, the tone was very uh, it, it was just too hitting you over the head with shit it's it's it I like it I don't know if I'd like it now I haven't watched it since I was a kid I loved it when I was a kid and I'm not sure why but it's definitely a show that is like four shows in one. You have the early, the early shows that are slapstick, practical jokes, stupid comedy, and then it kind of changes to be a little smarter. Then it becomes the I think the third, the final show is the Alan Alda show where it becomes basically everything is, is political sensitive, right? And it's not the Korean War; it's the Vietnam War, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, even yeah, always with the uh, the I mean I. I liked the movie, but that that was a different thing. Um, but the the constant every week with the making jokes while you're you know performing life and death surgery, I was like, even as a kid, I was like, okay, I get it, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't. I I don't have a problem with someone disliking that show. I I I'm not going to defend it. Sorry, I know you wanted to fight, but I'm not going to fight you. I'm like Alan Alda in that way. I did. I did want a very mild fight, which is why I said I don't judge anybody for watching it. And then I was hoping you would take the bait. Um, and then I would sit here. I would rather non, be judged. Non-judgmentally arguing with you. <laughs> you non-judgmental mother. <sighs> yeah. What were we talking about? I don't know. Oh yeah, oh. that plane crash or. Oh, plane I think you let in a little secret. Oh, damn it! I'll I'll edit that out. Um, Obama. Go ahead. Obama told me not to mention. I did get a in my inbox today. Uh, it was from Barack Obama, and the subject line was "Hey," so I'm sure that's legit. I I I I think I. S- anyway, between two ferns was great. But, yes, uh, him on between, between two ferns was awesome. It was uh, I I had a little bit of a problem with that show for a little bit. I know it's a joke, but I I thought the the stuff he did with women were was a little too creepy. I have I have not seen any other episode of it. So. Really, it's nope. pretty funny. It's 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 the same joke over and over again, but it's pretty funny. Bradley Cooper's funny in it, and the, there's one episode where a bunch of Oscar nominees come on. It was the year that Jennifer Lawrence was nominated for Silver Linings Playbook, and she was a special hilarious on it. So I think they got better at not being offensive. It's very funny. All right, I'll check it out. It's Scott Ackerman. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Create it with. Uh, I'm just telling the audience in case they don't know. Zach, Zach Falcon, Zach, funny last name from The Hangover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure everybody's seen it by now. If I've seen it, I'm I'm like the worst at these internet memes. You yeah. saw it day zero. You're you're right in the front. Yeah, I don't know how I caught that so early. For once, yeah, it's worth watching. Well, I speaking of. Uh, but you know what it reminded me of? Sorry to interrupt you. No. They want it, but uh, it reminded me a lot of when a famous politician or not, not necessarily a politician, but a famous highly regarded, like intellectual is on Sesame street because when he got, not the insult part, not the funny part, but when he started talking about healthcare.gov, it was, it was like when there's a like yo-yo Ma on Sesame street where he pl- explains things very slowly for the audience he's talking to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was reminiscent. You know what it reminded me of? Well, maybe that's where they got the name between two ferns, uh, Fernwood tonight. Did you ever watch that? <laughs> Yeah, I still love that show. It was so stupid. They had, it was first. It was a stupid show, but it was it was how they aired it on Nick at Night. It was 
just stupid because they made it seem like it was different than what it was. At least how I remember it. I, I think I the ads for it made it seem different than what it was, and it's just a stupid fake talk show and really funny. Yeah, I remember when it was first on. It had to be on in syndication or something like late at night um, as a kid, and I I just remember watching it. It was like along with Andy Kaufman when I was a kid. It was one of those things where I was like, "Oh, this isn't real." They're like <laughs> they're fucking with reality. I get it. I liked it, um, but it is really stupid. There's a there's a show from later that was that was on once. There's two different ones. There's one. Was like, there was like Glenview Tonight or something. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. No, no, there, it was different. It was it was more of a parody of of uh, the Geraldo Rivera type show. And there's one that had oh. Oh, I can't remember her name, but she was in the movie Happiness, and she hosted a show from her basement. And it was just a stupid meetup talk show where not real people came on, and it was really funny. And there's another with the guy. Oh, I don't think I know. I know exactly who you're talking about. Which yeah. one? I know. I know that first one. That was the Cynthia. What's her name? I can't. Yeah, um, it was so funny, and it probably was only three episodes, but I loved every one of well, them. Well, I know the other one you're talking about too. I know the dude. Um, yeah, the he's, dude is. He's is just in, one of those dudes. Um, he's in Raising Hope. He plays him, or not Raising Hope. He's in Raising Hope, but he plays a different character. But he was in that show you don't like that had Jason Lee, and he played his, like whatever his name is, and he played himself as this real drunken idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that one. But that was when I first watched because you were talking about this isn't real. When I first watched, it, I was like, "Is this real?" Because it was Geraldo Rivera type stuff where people were screaming at each other, but it was over the top. And then, like the second time I watched, it, I was like, "It's not real, no, but it's, it's awesome." It is, yeah. It was too ridiculous to be real. Um, did you ever Timothy Stack? Yeah, shit. I know his face, but I his name means nothing to me. Um, did you ever see uh, Wally George? Did you know that dude or? Uh... The name sounds familiar. Was he a talk show host, like a real deal, or is he a joke? If he's a joke, I don't know him. I, I mean, it's one of those things where who knows? It was okay. No, I don't know. First, like really super ultra right wing conservative talk show host, dude. Okay. Uh, Kind of along the lines of uh, Morton Downey Jr. You remember him? Yeah. 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 Oh, that was some great TV in the eighties. I used to love (laughs) watching that stuff. Now they have a lot of judge shows on during the afternoon. Yeah, it's kind of sad. There's like six different judges, and and they're some of them are just so judgmental. Well, that's their job, but they're just so nasty. I can't even. I have to turn the channel. That's why so they're. I oh, I, yeah, I can't watch that match. shit. Yeah, that those those shows make me uncomfortable because the people are just dumb who are going on, and then the judges are mean to them. Yeah. I mean, just mocking them for being dumb, basically. Um, and then there's this one, I guess, called Paternity Court, because I see... Oh my god, that's a real thing? Yeah, I see commercials for it uh, when I'm watching reruns at 30 Rock. And uh, one of the... So, like, the commercial, it just shows some dude in the courtroom, and, and his line is, You sell your body for money, hooker. Paternity Court. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of 30 Rock, uh, next week... Uh, calls as the return of television for Alec Baldwin. I hope you're going to watch it. What? Alec Baldwin's returning to television next week. And what? Another one of those uh, insurance commercials? Lowland or SVU. You have to be shitting me. In an episode directed by Marquita, whatever that woman's name is, I don't know her name, but he plays another cop. I I don't watch the show, but I saw a commercial for it. 
It is hands down the worst show on network TV. I would say that. I wish they had it was a truth in naming for that show. It shouldn't be called Law and Order. It should be called Law and Order Rape. Some people would know what they're getting into. No, exactly. It's I don't know how they get away with such disturbing shit. And it's it's not that like it's disturbing, but like it's written in a good way. It's like just completely sensationalistic sex shit. Yeah, yeah. Where Ripped you, from the headlines, maybe. Yeah, I guess. Except those kind of crimes don't usually make headlines, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like voyeuristic crap. It, it, yeah, it, and it, somehow it's the Law and Order that's lasted the longest. I don't know why they should have kept the original, with uh with the corpse of Jerry Orbach even. I, I'd prefer that to SVU. Or just this is Ashes and Urn and the whoever the junior detective is just talks to talks the to the ashes. Urn, what do you think, the, Lenny? Yeah, and then, then he like a, moves the lid up and down. Yeah, and they have someone doing a terrible, not purposely a terrible Jerry Orbach impersonation. I would watch that show. I would. Oh, I would watch it in a heartbeat. That other uh, Law and Order show was just straight up terrible too. I mean, it wasn't like even, you know, like prurient interest or anything. It was just. Bad. I liked it. Criminal Intent. I liked it. With Vincent D'Onofrio like yeah, chewing playing... every bit of scenery he could <laughs> yes. find. Basically playing Columbo. Oh, terrible. Well something that's not terrible uh recommendations i i have a, a huge feeling we're both recommending the same thing this week so i'm so. gonna go first everyone go see veronica mars movie yep i knew i knew that would be it yeah it was uh it was very good i mean it's not great art or anything but it was a solid movie um they definitely set it up for a sequel or wink wink a renewal of the series which would be it's even better on netflix or amazon would be awesome oh it, that's what I was thinking watching watching the movie too. I was like, all right, if if this goes back to series, do it on HBO or or Netflix or somewhere where they can uh, be more adult. And I think there's a chance for it because it's from what I read, it made a lot of money for how many? The- Did you watch it in the theater or at home? No, I watch it at home. But uh, it's only in like 300 theaters and made a million dollars. So yeah, I no. Don't know. It made a lot of money for how many theaters it's in, so that's it's good. Um, Lots of theaters refused to show it, right? Because, well, it, what happened is AMC had to rent theater. I mean, uh, Fox, Fox, Fox yeah. had to rent theater space out instead of actually. It wasn't a traditional way of of where AMC gets a piece of the cut, right. the cut of the of the whatever it's made. It's just they paid for the theater. Yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't air it or yeah show it because the the movie was being sold online at the same exact time. Which is so fucking dumb. I mean, I guess keep shooting yourselves in the foot, yeah. theater <laughs> owners. Like, what what year do you think it is? But I saw it in the theater because I like seeing movies in the theater, and I haven't seen one in a, a week. <laughs> well, before that, it had been a while, and I, I liked it in the theater. But I can see it would just be just it – was, it was basically just a long episode. It was nothing – there was no big car crash or anything that you need to – uh, to see in the theater. There's no like special effects that you need to see in the theater. Right. I, I can't imagine Veronica Mars fans being disappointed in it. No, I can't and either. I, I can't imagine why anybody other than Veronica Mars fans would want to go see it. But I think, I, I not that I disagree, because I, I don't think, it, I, well, no, I do disagree, because I think Kristen Bell is a big enough star that I think non-Veronica Mars fans might have gone to see it and enjoyed it. That's possible. I think they, they did a good enough job of Setting it up, first of all, in that first two minutes, that stupid two minutes where she explained where she came from. But also, the the the, the story itself didn't have 
you didn't need to know what came before it to know what was going on. It helped. Well, you could but, piece it together, I guess. Yeah, because they gave – and they also – what I really liked is they didn't spend a lot of time talking about what happened since the, the show aired and what where the characters are now. They took a couple seconds for each character, and that's that's fine. Right. They but figure it out by context. That stupid intro part that you mentioned, um, I mean, that didn't really – like, that introduced you to her and Logan Eccles um, – but yeah. then everybody else you met, you kind of just had. If you hadn't seen it, you'd have to right. figure it out, which I guess wasn't that difficult. But with uh, like, what's his name? Um, who's the uh, the biker dude? What's his name? Oh. Uh, anyway, what Weasel? We uh, Weevil. Weevil. Um, his. I, I don't think you would maybe get who he was. Too no, easily. and they didn't do a good job with his story. I, ex- kinda... I expected them to follow up on that, but it kind of they kind of left it dangling. They well, they had them. Yeah, they did leave it dangling, and they it wasn't. Let's not give was, too much away. No, it was case, it, but. it was not it was not especially satisfying, but it worked to set things up. And you know, they're also in the works and are coming out for sure as novels. So that's also what they're. Oh they're no talking. shit! And it, so, so is, is Rob Thomas going to be involved with a novel? Yeah, then? I think he might have either written a story or written actually writing them. So yeah. Well, that's cool, but I I'd much prefer to see another series, oh, exactly. or at least another movie. Yeah, it would, I mean, it's the end of the movie, not to spoil anything, but set it up really well for for an, an, another another one. Yeah, I yeah I think they did a good job of. There's a couple things I wasn't happy with, but mostly it was perfect. Well, I don't I, know if you remember the scene with Schmidt. I thought that was kind of it didn't really fit the flow of the rest of the movie. Oh, I was happy to see him, though. I was happy. But to... yeah, I agree. It was very funny. It just didn't fit the flow as well as everything else did. I suppose, but it was very brief. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I liked I liked the way recurring characters um, came back. The way they were introduced to us in this movie a lot. They, yes. They, they had our our lawyer buddy was back in. I was very happy to see him. He was awesome in it, as he always. I don't I don't know what else he's been in, but in, in Veronica Mars he's so great, and he was great in the movie too. And it they did a good job with that. Not to give it too much away, but it's in the trial that she went to law school and that she knows more than him. So that was funny. Yeah. And, yeah, some Ken Marino, of course, back in it. Yeah, uh, with those... both of those guys, the, the, how they worked into the plot made a lot of sense. I thought with, with Schmidt it didn't really work as well. I suppose, but they, I was glad he – I was just glad yeah, he was in it. And then, right. And then uh, Dick was fucking hilarious in every <laughs> single scene he had. The thing that sucks is they knew how hilarious he was, so they stuck all his funny stuff in the trailer, so I'd already seen most of it. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised that there wasn't even a cameo of, of Duncan. Nope, no Duncan at all. I know, I was I was a bit surprised at that, too. But like we talked about on the Veronica Mars episode... Weak slink, yeah. Yeah, who needs him, really? But I still would have liked to see him. But uh, yeah, he disappeared in the show, too. Um, James Franco did an awesome cameo. Great cameo from James Franco, yeah. And the woman, the uh, the girl from the middle, played his assistant, and she was just in her brief little second in the show in the movie was really funny. Yes, uh, yeah, she plays what Sue Heck on the middle. Yes, um, Sue Heck. I couldn't. I don't know her real name. I so. don't either. Yeah, she was really good. Um, dude, it said at the end it was like we were watching the credits, and it was it said Martin Starr. I was like, who the hell was Martin Starr? And then when <laughs> I found out who he was, I was like, holy shit! I didn't know that was him the whole time. Really? Nope. I was. I, yeah, I don't want to talk too much about. No, that. I won't either. I, I just was, wanted to say that. I think everyone should see. Even if, if you're on the fence about watching the show, watch the movie. You'll enjoy it, and then you'll want to go back and watch the show. I think so. Um, the uh, 
shit, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, the the love story, you know, I, I don't know so much about, but I, I mean, I, I get, they kind of had to do that. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, no, I thought I thought it was cool and it was um, it was basically a, a longer episode of the TV show. But so, a longer episode, but the, the, the main mystery was big enough that it worked as a movie. Yes. The main, it would In the TV show, it would have been a season-long mystery. No. So, yeah, don't worked. get me wrong. It worked. The whole thing worked. Um, as, as a standalone movie, you can't really even say because it is part of a series. So it, it, I was just happy to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I'd, I do think it I, – I would – I'd be curious to hear someone who saw it without seeing the TV shows. An intelligent person because I read some review. Somebody wrote – he hadn't seen the movie and he, he said, I don't know what's going on here. I can't imagine it. It's that difficult. It's not it's, that difficult. They kind of made it easy for the novice viewer. I feel it's, like it's not the big sleep, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I um, love that story. I don't know if it's true, but I love that story. But I think it's about the big sleep where they're is about the big sleep. They're filming the movie and they call the author and say, "What? Well, how did such and such happen?" And he's like, "I have no idea." Yeah. We, well, yeah. It was Raymond Chandler. They said, "Wait, so who's the actual killer?" He's like, "Oh, I don't know." <laughs> I mean, I've heard it enough that I believe it's true. <laughs> but you know, I didn't. I didn't know it was that. I thought it was something in how they got to the killer. I think the killer is pretty clear. Oh, was it? Like, yeah. You. I mean, you might be right. But whatever. It's a, it's an awesome story. Um, I I'll be interested to see how it did on uh, on. I don't even know what you call it. Rentals. You know. Did you uh, did you got it? Did you get it from iTunes or Amazon? How did you get it? Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Did you rent it or buy it? Rented. Okay. I didn't even know that that was happening. I thought the only people who could get it on digital format were the people who did the um, the Kickstarter. So well, I didn't. Yeah, I they, was surprised to see that you could get it online. They already paid for it, basically. For right. Their, um, so I mean, I wonder if they'll factor that into the say. I mean, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how how well it does when you factor in all this stuff. But yeah, but even just box office, just people who went to the theater, it did phenomenally well. For the at least of Friday oh. night, I saw on box office it was like a million dollars. Yeah, and that's got to be good for the per screen because it was hardly showing anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, it was in, that was thirteenth place, so that's not bad for something that was showing in so few places, and a lot of people were downloading it. So yeah, I, hopefully it did good, and they can do another one. Well, um, should we tell people what we're doing next week? I think we've we decided, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's let's let them so know. We're gonna do Rafifi versus American Hustle, right? Correct. Okay. And I've seen American Hustle, but not Rafifi. And you've seen Rafifi, but not American Hustle. No, I did watch American Hustle. Oh, never mind. Then I'm the loser. Well, it kind of goes without saying. The uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. It'll be fun trying to figure out how what on earth they have in common. Um. But yeah, I figured we'd both be recommending Veronica Mars' movie this time. So next time, we'll try not to be on the same wavelength. No promises. Yeah, no. I mean, you might both, uh, you might get Archie Comics next time from both of us. Who knows? Write us on at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com if you like Archie Comics. Like us on Facebook. Rate us highly on iTunes and tell your friends to listen. Can I say, if you like Archie Comics, please, please don't write us. I like Archie Comics. All right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's good for this episode. We uh, managed to. Uh, oh wait! Before we go, let me make it uh, one way that you'll probably like 
Archie Comics even less. Elena Dunham from uh, the Girls is writing for them now. Uh, this can't be true, what you're saying. But uh, if it gets people reading Archie Comics, I guess that's good for you and and I'm indifferent. And good for the American people. So until next time, everybody, goodbye. Goodbye.